Bonjour, bonjour, and welcome to another episode of EveryoneHatesMarketers.com, the marketing podcast for marketers, founders, and techies who are just sick of shady, aggressive marketing. I'm your host, Louis Grenier. So as of 2018, Facebook is the largest media company in the history of the world, even if they don't like to call uh, themselves uh, as such. They've generated more than $27 billion of dollars in revenue uh, in 2017 and people spend an incredible amount of time on it even your aunt is on it or even your uncle so today we're not going to talk about this new facebook feature that will enable you to increase conversions by 46 percent or how to use this weird trick to get people to look at your ads on facebook instead we are going to talk about the key principles of facebook advertising that are unlikely to change in, in one year, even in the next five years. So you can rely on them over time, even if Facebook changes their platform slightly or adds new features, you should be real, uh, able to rely on them as you go. So my guest today is a freelance performance marketing manager, and she specializes in particular in Facebook advertising. Most of her clients are in SaaS, including Taxify, MeetFrank, or MindTitan. She contributed to major publications like AdExpresso, Content Marketing Institute, HubSpot, The Next Web, Client Boost, etc., etc. So finally, she created aggregateblog.com, which is a blog for advanced marketers looking for actionable insights on growth marketing. So Carola Carlson, welcome aboard. Hi, thanks for having me and uh, it's great to be here. You're very welcome. So let's get started. So you, you, you specialize in performance marketing, which in your definition is like tracking the results, measuring real-time performance, tweaking ad campaigns, and basically changing also the overall marketing strategy. So do you think it's, it's just advertised, uh, marketing, performance marketing, or is it a, a, an actual discipline? I think it's more about the mindset, actually. What people call performance marketing is uh, marketing when you track performance and you make decisions based on your data. And it's, it's actually not just limited to online advertising, but the thing is that it's the easiest, it is easiest to measure marketing performance when you're doing ads online because you have all the data. And when it goes out of it, when it goes to print or television, um, the measurement becomes a little bit more difficult. Uh, so definitely, uh, performance marketing is a mindset, but you can actually apply it only when you can measure and track your marketing data. Okay. So I'm going to challenge you on this in the next few minutes. Uh, but before that, I want to, I want to go through a step-by-step, -step, uh, together, uh, that people can really uh, use in their business regarding Facebook advertising, because it's something that a lot of the listeners seem to be doing and they don't seem to, to get a lot of good results out of it purely because things seems to change quite a lot. And, and, um, but I don't think it is. I don't think things are changing quite a lot. I know Facebook introduces new features almost every day, but principles of of how people react to stuff and what they're interested in and how you build relationship will never change. So I'm not too worried about those new features. And this is why I want to get with you into the, how can we actually get new leads and new customers using Facebook advertising? And I, I'd like to go through a step-by-step -step with you. So what I mean by new leads and customers is new incremental uh, leads or customer, meaning that we've created them thanks to Facebook. They didn't they didn't buy from us thanks to a Facebook retargeting campaign that started way before where we did some print advertising and all of that. And the last action was retargeting. I'm talking about trying to really get people interested on Facebook and converting them on Facebook and then hopefully making them buy thanks to Facebook. Does it make sense? Yes, certainly. And I completely agree with you on the fact that Facebook is introducing new features all the time. But actually, if you... Uh, acquire the right framework and always apply it regardless of uh, all the new features. Great. So let's go through that framework step by step as if you were explaining that to a company or startup that was just you know starting out or already had an account but didn't know where to start. Okay. So let's say um, whenever I take on a new client and we want to start a Facebook campaign, we always start by finding our messaging because this is the most important thing that will make you succeed or fail. 
So you have to find the unique value proposition that makes your brand uh, shine out and what makes it different from the competition. So once you have found that message, uh, and you should really spend uh, more than one hour on finding that message. Uh, once you have this message, you can proceed to creating the ad designs. And when creating the Facebook ad designs, you should not use uh, stock photos because it just looks like any other photo on Facebook. So. When you are doing Facebook ads, you should always try to find a unique design angle that is uh, unique to your brand. Uh, let's say you use one specific color or you have some like icons or uh, mascots uh, that you can use. Uh, it could also be like some specific graphic design style that you will apply to your Facebook ad images. Okay, and so let me stop you right one, there. Let me stop you yes. right there because it's 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 important to to take a step back. So you, first of all, you mentioned your unique value proposition, and obviously, we are not yes. going to talk about how to do that today. I've actually had a very nice interview, um, and I'm going to forget her name now, uh, but I'm going to mention it in the show notes of this episode, where we actually talk about how to to come up with a strong value proposition by interviewing customers and understanding what they think of your brand. So this, this episode is already published and should be, should have been published already like three or four weeks ago. So you can check it out. So, okay. So number one, you're talking about your messaging and number two, you're talking about ad design already, but should I, should we decide on the objective before moving on to, to ad design or are you going to talk about that later? Um, yes, definitely. The objective is uh, important. What, what I started with is, um, I kind of assumed that the objective is to get new customers okay. uh, who are uh, not familiar with your brand and you want to find those people who will become your loyal customers. Great. Okay. So you're mentioning ad design and, and, and I'm glad you're mentioning stock photos because this is something I used to fight a, a lot against during marketing conferences when I was speaking there. I, I agree with you. So I guess what, what, why do you think this is important thinking of human behavior and human psychology? Why do you think having imagery that is unique to your brand is, is important? Well, if you think about Facebook newsfeed or Instagram newsfeed, it is full of pictures that people themselves are taking um, and also that newspaper articles are sharing and using. And all of them kind of resemble photos. And that's also what stock photos are about. So if you use a stock photo in Facebook ads, People will just think it's another picture or article and they will just scroll over it without paying too much attention. So if you, if you can create something more unique that will uh, catch the attention uh, of people uh, checking out their newsfeed, uh, you, will, you will have a lot higher click-through rates and that also leads to uh, success with your ad campaign. So... What are the options available to you? Because, okay, stock photos are quite cheap. And I think if I remember, Facebook allows you to add stock photos directly from, from Facebook uh, ads management. You can just add stock, stock photos straight away. Uh, and you don't, uh, as per Facebook rules, you can't really use a lot of text on, on images, right? So what are the ways to really make those images unique? Um, one of the easiest ways that uh, also many big brands are using is using some ready-made icons because you can just um, usually download uh, many icons for free. You can apply them uh, to your designs, uh, make them the colors of your brand. And well, if you are using icons, you might have some extra room for in-image copy as well. And uh, sometimes, uh, actually, what I have done with some clients is to create uh, a Facebook ad that just has a colorful background and, let's say, three to five words of copy on it and nothing else. And even those ads sometimes perform a lot better than stock photos. And everybody who knows how to use Photoshop or even like Canva or Sketch can do those ads. Okay. 
So that's kind of one option is to is to is to really simplify your 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 images by just keeping it to a few words and, and a simple background. Have you have you seen anything else that seems to be something that people connect with? You can definitely have like a specialized photographer take your uh, product photos, but this might be a little bit more expensive. So if you are a small brand, uh, you probably don't have the budget for that. And another thing you could do is uh, create some videos, but this is another thing that will probably take uh, more resources than creating a simple ad design with uh, a little bit of uh, color and copy. So what are the what are the cheapest kind of options you would recommend to, to start with videos? I would say you can try, let's say maybe three different creatives. Uh, one of them could be just uh, uh, background uh, that's colorful and add some copy to it and maybe also a call to action button so people will click on the ad image. Uh, then the second option would be to show your product especially if you have an online product uh, this will be kind of easy you can just take a screenshot of your product and uh, maybe a little bit of photoshop and it will look nice. And the third one, um, this could be you, like if you want to do a test, you can still take like a stock photo. You can apply a colorful filter to it to make it look a little bit more branded and uh, just to differentiate it uh, from the rest of the photos on Facebook. And maybe also add a call to action and some copy on that stock photo. Interesting. I think that goes back to the principle of show, don't tell, in a sense. And this is, there is one ad in particular that I still remember today. I, I keep a swipe file of ads that I find interesting. And by the way, I think I, sh I would recommend every listener to do the same. And whenever you see something, an ad or whatever that, 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 that really brings your attention to, that you seem to like, take a screenshot of it and add it to a, a note, like a, a note software, whatever it is, like a note on Mac or whatever else, keep a track of it because then you can remember it. And when it time, when it time, when it's time to create a campaign yourself, you can, you can, um, you can use that. So I remember seeing this, this ad, which is a very simple video. And you mentioned showing your product and that video can, can be complicated. I remember seeing this ad of this guy going through his ebook as a video. So basically it's a, it's a PDF that you can see it's scrolling down and the guy is saying, well, this is this page, this is this page, this is this page, this is this page, you can download it for free. And the ad got crazy amounts of, uh, of people commenting on it and, and wanting to download it. And just because he showed uh, the product using a simple video. Oh, that's fascinating. It's so, uh, it's so simple and yet so efficient. Yeah. So I guess using the principle of like show, don't tell. And the second principle of, of, you know, be, be your own brand. Don't, don't copy, don't use whatever everybody else is doing. You can, you can find some ways to really showcase your product using unique, uh, visual theme. As you mentioned, you can tweak stock photos. You can just keep it very simple with simple background and an image, uh, or, or call to action or a few, a few, uh, a few amount of text, but regardless all of that, you need to, you need to test it out and see, and see what works, but that's a very good start. So step one, you come up with your unique value proposition. We, we talked about that already. And step two is, is your unique design. So what is step three? Um, step three is, uh, creating a Facebook ad account, which takes about maybe 10 minutes. Uh, there are Facebook guides to help you through the entire process. So I think let's not get too technical. Yep. But I would like to emphasize that you, you don't really need an agency to set up your Facebook ads because Facebook is putting so much effort into making this uh, whole process easily understandable and effortless uh, for all the advertisers. Uh, so I would say that don't be afraid of uh, using Facebook advertising tools. Uh, they are definitely not as complex as they might seem on the first look. Yeah, and I agree with you. And that's why that's why I always say that like new features don't really matter for Facebook or from any other software you use, because exactly as you said, 
their only job in there is to make your life easier and to make the tool easier to use. So even if they come up with a new feature or anything like this, they will make it easy for you to use. And there are always tutorials online to, to use it. But what matters really is the, is the principle behind it and stuff that you can learn that will still be helpful in five or 10 years, which is why we're talking about it today. Yes, exactly. So let's say you have uh, created a Facebook ad account and now it's time to set up your first ad campaign. So in Facebook Ads Manager, the first thing you must do is to uh, select your campaign objective. And the campaign objective will tell Facebook what is your goal, uh, what do you want to achieve with the ad campaign. So there are, I think, about 10 different objectives. And already uh, for many first-time users, it gets uh, a little bit confusing here because how can you choose the objective? Like maybe you could get more uh, better results uh, with one objective, but how would you know which one it is? So there is a really simple principle there and you have to choose the objective that actually is the closest to your marketing goal. So if you want to get sales, you should select the conversions objective, which will mean that Facebook will optimize your campaign so that you will get as many purchases or website signups, um, maybe it de it's depending really on uh, the type of your website or business. Uh, but I would suggest to start with either conversions objective, if you can track the conversions uh, on your website, or if you can't really track the entire marketing funnel, you should start with traffic objective. So you will drive as much traffic to your website as possible. Okay. And well, now that you have the objective selected, uh, Facebook will take you to the uh, next uh, stage of the setup where you can set up your budget and audience. So uh, when it comes to audience, uh, this is my, uh, also a little bit tricky. Uh, it's depending on your marketing budget. But if you have a small budget, you kind of have to know your audience uh, beforehand. Okay. Most of the listeners would be in either of the, of the categories here. So I'm interested to hear from like the first thing you mentioned. So the large companies you don't have, you mentioned you don't have to know your audience in order to start the campaign. Is that right? Um, yes, you can just create like a big audience. Uh, let's say you want to target... Uh, an age demographics uh, of uh, people who are aged between uh, 20 and 30. And you can just let, uh, just set up the audience so that you only set the age limits and nothing else. You don't add any specific interests to your audience and you just uh, put the campaign running and Facebook will learn who is the best audience for you. And as you get more uh, ad campaign results, um, Facebook algorithms will get better at uh, defining your audience. And out of those, let's say you were targeting a million people, maybe Facebook will only show your ad to 50,000 who are your most potential customers. Okay. So does it mean that can you actually retrieve the information about this audience? So you're basically using a shotgun approach of some sort um, if you have a big budget because you can afford to waste a bit of money to let Facebook learn about it and then refine, refine the audience. So can you, are you able then to learn from like who are the audiences that are interacting the most with the ad? Um, yes, uh, this is, uh, I would say this is highly efficient uh, way to find out who your actual audience is because you can use Facebook uh, audience insights tool that will uh, show you the demographics, interests, uh, page likes of the people who are most engaged with your brand on Facebook. But that doesn't necessarily mean that those people are interacting with the ad itself, right? No, not exactly. I think how it works also is that you can uh, see which people are 
uh, your buyers and uh, how they convert. But to see that data, you first need to set up a Facebook pixel on your website so that you can track the conversions. But Facebook actually has a lot of great reporting tools. So you can also break down your campaign results uh, by gender, by age. Um, I think it's also by the city and even like there are definitely some more uh, options for campaign breakdowns. Okay. So you have a shot, you, you have, if you have a large advertising budget, and that's actually something that I've, I haven't really uh, heard before, which is quite interesting. It, it, you could start with a shotgun approach where you basically spend a lot of money on, a, on an audience that is quite broad and you let Facebook learn from it. Then what you can do once, if you have the Facebook pixel setup, which is a small snippet of code that you can add to your website very easily, you can learn who are the people who have interacted or even converted with your ad. And you can, as you said, go to Facebook on the reports and, and actually learn, okay, who are those people? And then you should be, you should get a much better picture of who are those people. So they should be able to tell you their, their, their age. They should be able to tell you their interest. They should be able to tell you the countries they live in, the level of income they have and all of that. So you, then you can, I suppose you can then create a second uh, campaign that is much more, that is narrower based on this data, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, what I wanted to say is that you, when you have a small budget, uh, what you should do is create an audience that you narrow down by the interests so that maybe your audience is about 20 to 50,000 people, which might see, still seem like a lot, but it's always better to leave some room for optimization for Facebook. So if you have a small budget, let's say maybe uh, $20 per day, uh, you, you can also do some more niche audiences and try targeting them. So let's go through that because this is what I wanted to say actually. Um, how do you how do you understand what your customers or potential customers are interested in? What how do you typically handle that for small budget type campaigns? Um, I usually like to. Uh, well, it depends. Uh, if it's a business to business product, you can usually target like CEOs or when it's. Uh, a product that is uh, done for, let's say, salespeople, you can target people working in sales. But if it's a consumer product, uh, you can actually target uh, some other uh, products uh, that are widely used that you think that your potential customers are also using. So to bring you some examples, um, let's say, you want to do a beauty subscription service. And for that, well, obviously you can target women uh, aged um, between maybe uh, 18 and uh, 50. And then you can uh, add as interest some beauty bloggers, um, some uh, famous beauty brands that your potential audience is interested in. So yes, one of the keys is to uh, kind of start with the other brands that people are already using and try to target their customers. All right. So this is, this is something that I've learned from Rand Fishkin when I interviewed him on, on this podcast is a good way to learn what, what are your potential customer interested in and, and, and who influenced them is basically to ask them, right? So you can definitely interview some of your most profitable customers, find out who influenced them or what influenced them. So where do they spend most of their time? Do they actually spend time in marketing conferences? Do they spend time listening to Tim Ferriss or Orlan Fishkin? Do they spend time reading specific blogs like yours and Carola? All of that. So if, if you are able to ask them and, and, and make a list of all of those people and companies influencing them, it should be easier than to pick um, to match that on Facebook with, with things that actually interest them. So that's the number one way to, to do it. Uh, a second way that was shared with Rand is actually to go through Twitter accounts or Facebook accounts of, of people that you know are your customers and are your most profitable customers and knowing who they follow, who they retweet the most, basically what type of stuff are they talking about? 
and you can draw conclusions from that as well. Uh, so that's two interesting ways to get to know your audience better and, and to apply that on Facebook. Yeah, that sounds like a really good strategy. Right. So we are a small business and we, we, are, we have this audience, we have interviewed customers to understand who influenced them. Like, do you, do, do you, how would you go about the different type of messages um, and ads? Do you, are you going to create many? Are you going to create a few? What is your typical approach? Whenever you create some ads and uh, put them running, you must cr get uh, a sufficient amount of uh, conversions or results to conclude whether your ad is working or not. So if what you don't want to do is create too many ads uh, for one campaign so that you will get no idea what is working and what isn't working. When you are a small business, I would say you can create uh, those three different ad designs, but they should all use the same message. So uh, in the first phase of your Facebook campaign, you will see what type of uh, creatives are the most efficient for you. And once you have this uh, one creative that is working really well, you can start testing different messages with this same creative. Okay. So you start with, you start with knowing what format worked the best, what type of creatives work the best, then you move on to what type of message worked the best. And do you actually try also to tweak the call to action or the, or the thing that you will make them do? Uh, usually the way I like to do Facebook ads is to, uh, not change the call, uh, call to action that much because I kind of know what I want them to do and I try to uh, get them to take the step but well it's a little bit more advanced uh, but you can actually uh, add multiple steps to your ad campaigns like um, the first one would be prospecting then you create a remarketing campaign to target uh, some potential leads and then you create another campaign to actually convert them to paying customers. But maybe this is a little bit too advanced for, for this uh, particular moment. Yeah, so uh, this is exactly where I wanted you to go, right? Um, which I'm glad you mentioned it because the way I asked you a question at the start was like how to create new kind of incremental leads and customers. And I was hoping that you would mention this. So I don't think it's that advanced. I guess the principle behind it is not advanced. It's, it's the basis of marketing, which is if people don't know you, if people, if you have no credibility, if your brand is unknown, how can you expect people to trust you enough to buy something, right? That they've never heard from you before or they, that they've never heard of you before. So instead, exactly as you mentioned, you, you using a, a kind of a stairway approach where you start with, as you said, prospecting, you probably, you make them maybe download a brochure of some sort or watch a quick video. Then for those who actually got interested, you set up another campaign to talk to them in particular saying, well, now that you've watched this video, here's more information and you move on the ladder, right? And this is marketing 101 that is being used. This principle is being used everywhere because this is how you build trust over time. So do not expect people to buy from you without having, you know, heard from you before. So I'm glad you mentioned that. And I guess you can run through how you would typically do that on Facebook. And I guess a lot of people will be interested. Okay. So one of the uh, new approaches that has become a lot, uh, a really popular approach uh, in the past years is to create a campaign where the first step is a video. Uh, so you show a video on Facebook. Uh, it could be a video of your product maybe a video of a customer testimonial, a case study. Uh, so it would kind of show people why your product is good. And let's say you run this video campaign for one week. And after you have run this video campaign, you can create the next step of a campaign that retargets the people who watched your video. So when you are retargeting those people, they are already familiar with your product. Uh, they have shown some interest in it. And now you can uh, actually ask them to uh, take some action, maybe uh, get a free trial, 
maybe uh, check out your product's website, uh, maybe even make a purchase. That, uh, that completely depends uh, how engaged uh, those people are at the moment and whether you can make them buy at this stage or maybe you just need to do another campaign for just uh, lead nurturing. And then uh, in the third step of your campaign, you can actually get them to buy something from you. Exactly. So I, I like very much this approach because, as I said, it's, it's using the, the key principles of, of marketing and how people behave and think. Um, and I guess depending on the, on the price of your products, depending on, on how complex the, the, the typical sales funnel is, the, the length of your campaign will vary. So if you're selling, a, I don't know, $1, one euro pen, you might not even need a video explaining how the pen works. You might just be able to, to showcase the ad, ask them to buy. But if you're selling this premium, supreme $800 pen, you might want to show a video. You might want to talk about, you know, you might want to show a brochure to those people who view the video. You might want to add benefits as a third campaign, etc., etc. So taking your time to nurture people, not expecting them to convert straight away, is probably one of the biggest thing I can say. And that works for anything, not Facebook only. Taking your time, building trust, you know? Yes, yes, because one of the uh, key reasons why some Facebook campaigns fail is because marketers just ask people to buy um, on the first engagement, which always just doesn't work. Yep, exactly. So that that, that applies to, 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 small, to small business, but I suppose... Um, for large business, so you mentioned the large business where you do kind of a more shotgun approach and you learn from the Facebook algorithm. Would you would you say there is no difference there? Would you say that large businesses should also leverage this kind of step by step approach? Uh, yes, definitely. Uh, if you well, I would say that you can always try first uh, this uh, one step approach, and maybe maybe it's working for your product. Maybe people will grasp uh, immediately what it is, and they will want it, and they will buy it. So you should always try the one step approach. Maybe you don't need the, all the three steps. So it's uh, depending on your business type, on your product, and if it's like a, if it has a low bar of entry, for example, it's an app, uh, a game app, or uh, some kind of business app that you just have to download and sign up to and pay nothing, you might only need one step, not uh, three steps. But definitely having this three-step campaign will help you get more people on board. So if you have large budgets, you probably want to have a large audience and user base. So as a large brand, you have to do many different types of campaigns that attract different audiences. And that's another story. Um, you, will, you will have to uh, come up with new ideas constantly to attract different kinds of people. So, Carola, we've been talking about the step-by-step -step, uh, methodology, really, to create an ad campaign. And uh, you, you talked about this, this popular approach um, on, like, you know, step one, showing a video on Facebook, showcasing your product, step two, retargeting uh, people who watch the video and so on and so forth. So, so the next uh, the next step, the next things I wanted to ask you were more about, from your experience, why do you think Facebook campaigns fail? What do you see to be the traditional mistakes people and businesses make on Facebook? Okay. So the, the biggest mistake that I see advertising making with in all advertising channels, basically, is that they simply don't have a good um, ad messaging and they don't have good ad visuals. So what I always do with my clients, what I recommend everybody is to not focus that much on like audience targeting or campaign optimization, but just get your ad messaging and ad images right so that people want to click on them. Um, they immediately understand what it is that you are selling. And as the right people start clicking on your ads, basically Facebook can optimize your ad delivery so that it will be shown to the right people. So why 
one of the biggest reasons why your ad campaigns might be failing is because people are not clicking on your ads because they are not looking good or simply the messaging is not attractive to the audience. Um, so there is like mistake number one that is quite easy to avoid uh, just by A-B testing and reading about the best practices. So, and another mistake would be um, editing the ad campaigns too often. So if you are like really interested in doing Facebook advertising, you probably keep looking at your campaign results like every two hours. And if you keep optimizing and changing the campaign too often, then Facebook algorithms just can't stop deliver, can't start delivering um, in high volumes because they have to adapt and change all the time. So another like maybe counterintuitive um, mistake that advertisers make is to change, change their campaigns too often. Yeah, and that's something I tend to do. And I know a lot of people doing is like, you look at your ads every day and you're like tweaking things. Yes, you just, you just can't help it. You just like yeah. want to, want to fix it. So how long do you, how long do you need really to, for the ads to, to be running to, to make sure that Facebook start to uh, like be able to, to, uh, to optimize it or like to show it to the right people or to tell you if it's a good ad or all of that? Well, what Facebook is saying is that it needs at least 24 hours, but that's a really long time. Sometimes the campaign is over after 24 hours. So what I usually recommend to my clients is to wait for um, at least three hours and even better if six hours, and then you can take a look um, if something is happening. And if it looks like that your ads are getting some results, then let it run until the next day and then decide um, how to optimize and what to change. Okay. Is there any other mistakes that you see clients, people do in general? Well, there are different like smaller mistakes, but usually when you get the basics right, um, and you have good ads, then like you can't really go wrong because Facebook has a really good advertising product. Like I would say it's the best one out there. Yes, it's the best one out there. And, but there's a big, but, and I, I want to talk about it now. So the, the, the things Carla is, we are recording this section of the episode a few weeks after the first section. And you might, if you're listening to this episode right now, you might have noticed maybe a switch in the, the audio or whatever it is, like uh, the weather might have changed the way we talk or whatever, but, uh, we are recording that in, in March of 2018. And recently there was this whistleblower, um, who talked about, um, um, how Facebook was used to basically manipulate people and get to know their personal details and all of that to, to an extent that wasn't, uh, the right extent, um, that was kind of, uh, have an impact on the privacy and all of that. So it is the best advertising tool out there, but so it's a very leading question I'm going to ask you, but do you think it's also the best because it's so, it's not taking really good care of our own privacy? Well, I would say that probably like all the big technologies or like, uh, services that you are using are kind of collecting so much data about you. And well, of course, Facebook is like really good at collecting your data. And I'm definitely not like justifying that big corporations are like collecting lots of data and maybe sometimes using it irresponsibly, but in like from other perspective, the re like the reason why Facebook ads are working that well and why you see so many relevant ads on Facebook is because of that data. So like from marketing perspective, what this does is that you don't get ads that you don't want to see and you don't get the, you don't get to see that many products that make no sense to you. So like 
there are, it's, it's a difficult question and really I'm not like choosing sides. Um, and I would say that like, it's, it's really, really difficult to say where goes the line, like what data you can collect and what you shouldn't collect. Yeah, I agree. And I know it's a difficult question. Um, I guess I, I can see in the future a shift happening where people are going to have more control towards the data they are willing to share in order to receive the right information. And I agree, it's actually nice to be to be able to browse Facebook and only get mostly relevant content, even though on the other hand, it creates this bubble where you feel that everybody agrees with you and that you're living in this world that is not as diverse as you think it is. Uh, but it's true that it's also nice to have relevant content uh, given to you. Um, we'll see how it goes. I can foresee that there's going to be a major shift towards users owning, well, at least being able to control more of their data than right now with GDPR coming up um, and uh, the data privacy uh, laws in Europe and all. I, I, think, I think Facebook is going to have to make a lot of changes to their platform. Um, but it's true that in 2018, at least to the date uh, we are recording this episode, it's it's the, one of the most effective advertising platform out there. Um, so moving on to another subject uh, briefly, I'm curious to know from your perspective, from your experience, you've been working with clients quite a lot on Facebook and other stuff. Have you used any shady, sleazy, aggressive marketing tactics in the past that you can admit of? I really haven't done like it anything um, really shady because usually when you have a good product and you know how to do great advertising, then you don't need to do so much hacking. You just do your job as a marketer. Uh, so I'm, I'm usually not looking for like shortcuts and growth hacks, but uh, rather I'm looking um, like strategies that I can scale and grow. That's the, that's the nice answer. Um, but I agree with you, actually, you know, exactly as you said, once as a marketer, you have a good product that you can market, you're, it's very unlikely that you start using shady, sleazy, short-term tactics uh, to trick people in buying uh, your stuff because your product is good enough and it, it, you don't need to do it. Um, so I, I like this answer. I think it's, I agree with you. Uh, but this is why I think it's so important for people who want to get into marketing to make sure to choose a company to work for with a good product. And that might be difficult to find, but you must make sure that the company you're working for sells a product that you like using yourself. That's kind of the, one of the key, uh, advice I usually give to people who ask me, how do, how do I get into, into marketing and how do I become a good marketer? Yes, I completely agree on the point that you have to believe on the, in the product and then it will be so much easier to understand what makes people to buy it. So Carola, you've, um, you've started a, a blog, like that it's called aggregate blog, uh, a few years ago. Like, was it last year or two years ago? It was about one year ago. Okay. And how many blog posts have you published there? Oh, I, I haven't done such a good job about it. Uh, I think I have like 15 articles, but. What I am doing is, um, I have learned that if you write one article per two weeks and you make it really good, it is worth so much more than having like, let's say two articles per week. That are not good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. So you're focusing on your, you're focusing on your process, which is I'm going to publish one blog post every two weeks, right? Well, yes, that's what I'm trying to do. Sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. It completely depends like on my schedule. And, um, did you, what type of opportunities did you get out of it? Cause like, for example, the reason why you're on this podcast, is because I read your blog and I, I felt comfortable talking to you because you had this blog and you were showing your expertise on a few things. Right. So apart from this opportunity, was there anything else that you managed to get out of this? Um, yes, of course. Um, actually, um, all of my clients have found me via this blog and I keep getting like new offers. People find the blog, read a couple of articles and then want to work with me. So 
right now, whenever somebody is asking me how do I get a job in marketing, I just say that you can start blogging and the jobs will come in <laughs> eventually. And how do you promote your blog then? How do people discover it? It is, um, it's mostly SEO. I would say like 80 to 90% uh, of the traffic comes from SEO. So right now I'm getting around 70,000 visitors per month and let's, and about like 60,000 60, of them come via SEO. Wow. That's a huge, that's a huge, uh, that's huge. <laughs> I can't yes, find the you know, words. You know what is surprising? Like Facebook advertising is such a hot topic in marketing. And actually there aren't so many blogs that write good content about it. So like whoever is doing um, a marketing blog out there, then Facebook advertising is definitely a really good topic to cover. Yeah. And, and so the, the address of your blog is aggregateblog.com. And I would definitely recommend listeners to, to go on it if they want to learn more about Facebook advertising, because you are writing very good in-depth articles and, uh, I've learned quite a few things out of it. So well done. And thanks for doing what you're doing is, I think it's obviously showing that, uh, just sharing, sharing content, the good content and showing your expertise and builds up credibility and allows you to have success, whatever it is for you. In your case, it's, it's clients, um, um, or at least used to be, but for others, it could be something else. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. That's quite nice to hear. Um, why do you, what do you think marketers should learn today that will help them in the next 10 years, 20 years, even 50 years? Well, I, I wouldn't say it is like some specific ad product. Um, so it is rather the entire mindset. Um, you should learn about consumer behavior, um, human psychology to understand what makes people tick, uh, what makes them buy your product, um, what makes them uh, feel certain emotions about your products and your messaging. So it is more about being really good in communications and understanding people rather than rather than let's say learning about to do, how to do seo or how to do google ads that's just like a nice technical addition that you need to do your job but the best marketers i are, i know are the ones who really understand their audience and what people want so how would you recommend people to learn that what are the top three resources you would recommend related to this topic there are some great books about uh, behavioral economics uh, for example one of my favorite authors is uh, daniel kahneman but also like just by doing some advertising reading a lot like read a lot of books whatever books you want to read, um, it can be literature, it can be business books, but just like learn to see the world from other people's perspective. And that makes a huge difference in your job as a marketer. Yeah. Amen to that. Any other, so you mentioned this book from, can you remember, can you recall, can you, sorry, repeat the name of uh, the author that you like, you said? Uh, yes, it's uh, Daniel Kahneman and also there are more great authors like Seth Godin. Uh, there are some like advertising classics, uh, for example, um, Ogilvy's book uh, that I also wrote the blog article about just to like uh, condense everything that this book has to say. So we can link to it so people can check it out. Sure. We'll do that. Um, it will be available in the show notes as usual on everyone hates marketers.com. Um, where can listeners connect with you and learn more from you? We already mentioned your blog. Is it the main place you would recommend listeners to go to? Um, yes, definitely my blog. Uh, you can reach out to me via the blog. I'm happy to answer all your questions about uh, Facebook advertising, um, 
the best books uh, to to learn more about um, Facebook ads or marketing in general. So definitely um, get in touch and let me know if you have any questions. Awesome. And once again, Carla, thank you for your patience. As, as I mentioned at the middle of this episode, we recorded this episode in two parts and hopefully the full episode makes sense to you. Uh, we definitely tried to do the best job possible to, to make it happen. So Carola, once again, thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for having me on the show. It's, it's been a great conversation. That's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. And this is the moment where I tell you to subscribe to our email list. So before you leave and go to another podcast or listen to another episode, I don't treat email lists uh, the way people usually treat their email list. I really treat that as a, as a one-to-one conversation. So I'm going to send you very short and personal emails every two weeks, I would say. We, I'll inform you of guests in advance. I'll share with you my numbers and how many listens we get and I'll also ask you for your feedback in terms of the questions we can ask future guests and perhaps I can also uh, have you on the show uh, someday so don't be afraid to subscribe I'm not going to spam you and you can always unsubscribe for sure if you wish the second thing we need from you is your harsh and honest feedback we know that this show is not perfect yet and we always Uh, can improve so you can send us your email at feedback at everyonehatesmarketers.com good or bad please feel free to send me an email and the last thing i like uh, from you is that if you did like the episode please share it to your friends your colleagues or whoever might like it and also please review it on itunes or another service that you might use to listen to your podcast because if you leave us a five-star review it means that more people will be likely to listen and we can spread the word quicker So thank you so much once again and au revoir. And that's it for another episode of everyonehatesmarketers.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'm super, super grateful. I'd love for you to consider subscribing to my daily newsletter, Monday to Friday, called Stand the Fuck Out Daily. I send very short, hopefully interesting, surprising, shocking, entertaining content to help you stand the fuck out. It's at everyonehatesmarketers.com. You can subscribe for free and obviously unsubscribe whenever you want. I'm just going to read a couple of emails that I got recently as a reply. Juma said, your content attacks the mind primarily, which is such a good thing because most of us are skilled at what we do, but we don't have the courage to do it our way. Mark, who just subscribed a couple uh, days before, said, this is my first issue of your newsletter. Love it. Glad I subscribed. Brianna said, I just realized this morning that my email habit is now to one, skim through the list, two, select all unread industry email except yours, three, delete and don't think twice, four, quickly skim yours. Amy said, also loving the new content that's coming from you. It feels really lovely. Candle said, I like your writing a lot. It really resonates. There's so much bullshit out there. It's good to touch the authentic. And Chloe said, where is the I fucking love this email button? Brilliant. I hope you subscribe. You'll be joining more than 14,000 subscribers at this stage, which is crazy. It's the size of a small stadium. Anyway, thank you so much. See you on the other side.